Good morning, church family. Is it clear? Okay. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together once again as we draw near to him and um, desire that the Holy Spirit will draw us to him and teach us the word, prepare us um, to hear from the word. We have been going through uh, the gospel according to Mark, as is our practice as the church to go um, in uh, book by book, um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, um, with the desire to hear what God has to say to us from his word. This morning we're looking at Mark chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. Mark chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. And the title of the sermon comes from um, verse, verse 23, the question that Jesus asks the man, do you see anything? And the title is, what do you see? What do you see? Last week we looked at um, the sermon, do you not yet understand? This morning, the question is, what do you see? Mark chapter 8, verse 23, um, 2022, uh, up until verse 26. Let me read from God's word. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his, his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his way, saying, Do not even enter the village. Do not even enter the village. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for your word. We pray that our eyes will be opened, our hearts will be receptive of your truth. Work in our lives as you draw us to yourself. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but what I know is that it's a helpful story. To, 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 to hear. A father and his son went on a camping trip. They set up their tent and fell asleep. Some hours later, the father woke up his son in the middle of the night and said to him, look up, at, look up to the sky and tell me what you see. The son said, I see millions of stars. The father said, and what does, what does that tell you? The son said, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and planets. The father slapped the son so hard and said to him, idiot, someone has stolen our tent. Sometimes, while we see with our eyes, we end up missing what we should truly see with our heart. Our text this morning 
introduces us to another blind man. He's about to experience one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. But really, you'll notice that it is not about a blind, it is not about this blind man alone. It is about the blind disciples who should be seeing the Son of God. Jesus and his men returned to Bethsaida. We are told in verse 22, the last time they were here, Jesus has healed many of their sick. Remember in Mark chapter 6, verse 53 to 56, Jesus healing the sick. Now he has returned and a group of people bring a blind man to Jesus, begging him to perform another healing miracle. Their request for Jesus to touch their friend, the, these people were Gentiles and they had come to believe that Christ's power to heal resided in his touch. That They failed to understand that he was able to heal with a word or with a thought if he so desired. As we watch the Lord bring sight to this man, there's, uh, there's, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Like all of Christ's other miracles, this one seems to be for the sake of the disciples as much as it is for the blind man. You see, all of the miracles that Christ performs are really parables in action. Christ was not some miracle worker who pitched tent after tent and said, come, receive your miracle. But his miracles were teaching something about himself. They are parables in action. Jesus has been trying to teach his men that he is the Messiah, that he is, is God in the flesh. They have failed to get the message. In spite of seeing him uh, do the amazing and the impossible again and again, they just don't get it. The, this miracle reveals the way God opens the eyes of the spiritually blind. This miracle teaches how God is able to take someone who cannot understand spiritual truth and how uh, the, the, the work, uh, he, he works patiently, uh, patiently with them step by step to, 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 to bring them to the place of full understanding. As this process unfolds, Jesus at one point asked this man what he sees in verse 23. As I preach through these verses, I want to pose the same question to you today. What do you see? Is your spiritual sight as keen as it should be? Do you have the Lord in sharp, clear focus in your heart and life today? Do you know who he is and understand what he is doing in your life? What do you see? Let's examine the steps revealed in our Lord's healing of this man's blindness. As we do, I believe there's a word of hope, help, and blessing for our hearts today. I want to preach on the thought, what do you see? First of all, in verse 23a, we see the preparation for his healing. The preparation for his healing. The, 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 the first thing Jesus does when he hears the request of the people is to take this man, this blind man, by the hand. Jesus touches him as requested, but nothing happens, or does it? Nothing visible took place. Nothing took place as far as the crowd is concerned. But something very profound occurs here. Jesus takes this man by the hand and begins to lead him out of town. 
just as he did with the deaf and mute man in, in, in Mark chapter uh, 7, 31 to 37, if you, if you remember. Jesus leads this man to a place away from the crowds to do his healing work. Now, get this image in your minds. Jesus walks up to this man and takes him by the hand and begins to lead him away. They, they, they begin their journey in the middle of, of town, as you notice in verse 23. And I can imagine Jesus leading him around the obstacles that were in his path. I can hear Jesus as he patiently and kindly leads this poor man, this poor blind man along one step at a time, all, all, all the while holding his hand. Can you see in your mind's eye as you picture Jesus holding this man and walking out of town with him? Think about this. We are people accustomed to touching one another. Not in inappropriate ways, but in ways that dem demonstrate connection between us. One of the things that COVID did was to remove this human desire for affection through touch. That, as, as, as you read some of the articles, that uh, patients that were, uh, you know, um, in, in, in their deathbeds and, uh, and as they were dying from, from this uh, thing called COVID, uh, one of the things that they desired the most was someone to touch them. To, to a point that the nurses would uh, put hot water in, in, a, in, a, in a rubber glove and uh, put it around their hands so that they can feel affection and touch. For example, since I have been here today, I've shaken a couple of hands. It is a simple greeting, isn't it? It is a common gesture. A handshake allows us to make physical connection uh, that is not threatening, that is not aggressive, that is not uncomfortable. A good, firm handshake says, hello, it's good to see you. Hello, it's good to make your acquaintance, and, and nothing more. A handshake is something many of us experience on a daily basis. Well, not so much anymore. We get a, an elbow bump. Elbow uh, bump. It's just a little physical connection with our fellow man. But holding someone's hand for a long period of time and ca can be a very intimate experience. There's something intimate about that gesture that communicates far more than simply, hi, it's nice to meet you. Holding someone's hand for that long can communicate, I care. Jesus takes this man by the hand and leads him to the place his miracle will take place. When that sinks in, it becomes a real blessing, doesn't it? That he takes this man and leads him. You see, there's a great spiritual truth buried in this image, and I want to share uh, this with you uh, before we move deeper in our text. I, I see here a clear portrait of how the Lord leads lost, blind sinners and brings them to the place of salvation. We, we don't recognize his touch until our blinded eyes are opened, but throughout our whole lives, Jesus was walking and leading us to bring us to the place of saving faith. Every 
event, every circumstance, every tragedy, every blessing was the Lord taking your hand and mine in his grip as he brought us to himself. You, you can believe what you want to, but you can't get to God on your own. You have to be led to God. In your natural state, you are dead in your sins and trespasses. You have no ability to get to God. He comes to you. He came to seek and save the lost. He grabs us by the hand as he says in John 14 verse 6, no one can go to the Father except by me. And it is so because he's the way, the truth, and the life. It is only by holding the hand of Christ and him taking you to the Father. It is like in our African cultures, you don't go to the king without someone taking you to the king, someone introducing you to the king. It is Jesus exclusively as our mediator. He holds our hands. He rescues sinners from the dangerous byways of sin. He leads us to himself. If you are saved, you can now look back and remember. Remember what he has done for you. Can you see the tender way he brought you along until your eyes were opened and saw yourself for what you were and, and him uh, for, for, for what he is as your only hope? Can you remember how he led you and worked in the events of your life to bring you to that place of faith and repentance? And what a blessing it is, brothers and sisters. What a blessing it is. So we see the preparation for the healing in verse 23 a and in verse 23 b to verse 25 we see the process of healing the process of healing one of the things that makes this miracle so unique is that this is the only time in the gospel record where jesus healed someone in stages usually jesus either touched them or spoke to them and they were healed here jesus uses two a two-step process to open this blinds men's eyes. Jesus tailors his work to the individual. How he, he, he worked in my life is not how he works in your life. We, we each receive a personal individual ministry from the hand of the Lord. In other words, this should tell us, brothers and sisters, that you are special to him. And praise his name. Let's watch how Jesus works in this blind man's life to give him back his sight. The first thing Jesus does is to spit in the man's eyes. I, I imagine this man's eyes to be diseased, um, matted, shut, and uh, crusted over. Jesus just turns to him and spits in his eyes. To us, that sounds disgusting. If someone were to spit in your eyes, you would be ready to fight, right? In ancient times, uh, people thought differently than we do now. They, they believed there was healing power in human saliva. We, we still, uh, to some extent, to, to some extent, believe that to a certain degree today. If you get a small cut on your finger, what is the first instinctive thing that you do? That's right. You stick it right in your mouth. Why? Because saliva has soothing qualities. And of course, it's full of deadly gems. And that is another story, isn't it? 
So Jesus spits in his eyes and immediately touches the man. Jesus was saying to the man, by his actions, I'm about to do something for these eyes of yours. I would imagine that someone spitting in your eye would be a disturbing thing. But the spitting is immediately followed by the Lord's tender touch. This man can't see, but he can feel. The Lord is working in a way that makes no sense to us, but it, is, it was understood by the blind man. Then Jesus asked him if he can see anything. When the man opens his eyes and looks around, he says, I see man as trees walking. This tells us a few things we would do well to notice. First, it tells us that the man hadn't always been blind. He was able to identify the people around his, him as people. Second, it teaches us that the healing was far from complete. He could discern lights and shapes, but he could not see clearly. That this partial healing does not suggest, as some commentators uh, like to imply, that the healing powers of Jesus in this case were failing. It does not suggest that. They, they actually say that the opposition of his ministry, to his ministry is so great and the power of the devil so strong that Jesus is having a hard time healing this man. Rubbish. That's rubbish. Jesus is using this man's healing as a living parable. Jesus could have healed him with a thought, but he chose to do it this way to teach his disciples and, and by extension to teach us as well this valuable lesson. When Jesus touches him again, and this time everything becomes crystal clear. His healing is complete. His eyesight is restored. As usual, there's a spiritual application in these events, and let's not miss what the Lord is trying to teach us here. Because oftentimes as we read the Bible, we pass by very uh, fast. So we need to be um, careful readers of the Bible. Right? We need to, to be careful to labor on each and every sentence, on each and every phrase, and each and every word. Labor reading and studying the Bible. That this man is living is a living illustration of the spiritual condition of the disciples. Ever since they had been walking with the Lord, in a sense, he had been spitting in their eyes. He had been using one shocking, amazing, miraculous event after another to teach them that he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They had seen him heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, walk on water and multiply, multiply bread and fish along with many, many powerful proofs to teach them that he was the Messiah. To teach them about his deity, that he is God in the flesh. But these fellows never did get it. They never did get it. He had spit in their eyes and touched them, but they never fully comprehended him. They never comprehended who Jesus was until he died and rose from the dead. Jesus led his disciples from a place of total spiritual blindness to a place where they could see him clearly. In this passage, they are just like the man. Uh, they, they are just like the man was in verse 24. They had been like the man in verse 22 when he called them to follow him. He, he wants to lead them to grow uh, them until they become like the man in verse 26 where they see clearly. This is our Lord's goal for each and every one of us as his children. 
when the Lord first begins to work in us, we are totally blind to our sinful condition. Jesus comes along and he spits in our eyes. He brings conviction and totally shakes our world. He uses this conviction to open our spiritual eyes and point us to Jesus, our hope. When we come to Jesus and are saved, we are like the man in this miracle. We are sometimes, but we do not see them clearly, right? We do not see clearly. We see sometimes. It is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. We see through a glass dimly. As we spend time with him in his word and prayer, he develops our spiritual sight. He causes us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, his goal is to take us uh, like he finds us and make us more like Jesus. It is to conform us in the image of his son, to be more and more like Jesus. Now, this should be our desire, brothers and sisters, that God would conform us into the image and the likeness of his son. We are just like the disciples, aren't we? The Lord has proven his power and his glory to us in more ways that we can name, and sometimes we still don't get it. We have, we have seen him do the impossible, the incredible, the astounding, time after time, and yet we still doubt. He has spit in our eyes, and, and on more than one occasion, may the Lord help us not be faithless, but be believing. Are you, are you growing in the things of God? Is he leading you along one step at a time? Are you making progress in Jesus? Have you sit down and take stock and evaluate yourself? Do you see that? Do you see that progress? When you are first saved, you are a baby in Jesus. That is why salvation is called new birth, right? But we are not supposed to remain babies. I, I can imagine if, um, you know, our son Wazi, um, you know, when, when he was born, he, he weighed 2.7 uh, kilograms. Yeah, if, I'm not sure if I'm mistaken with that. Uh, my wife can correct me later. Uh, he, he, I think 2.7 kilograms. Imagine, two years later, he still weighed 2.7 kilograms. We have doctors and nurses who would be approaching us, concerned. What is going on? There's something here that is not right. A baby is expected to grow. A Christian is expected to grow. There must be spiritual progress. None of us have arrived. We're not saying we have arrived spiritually, but we should all be gaining ground in Jesus. When we aren't, something is terribly wrong. There may be someone here today who has never trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You are waiting until you figure this Christian uh, thing, this Christianity thing out. Friend, you should not wait to, to come to Jesus until you have all the answers. It is very likely that you will never have all the answers. If he is dealing with your heart, if you sense that he has taken you by the hand and is leading you to him, you should surrender to his will and come today. 
If he has been disturbing your slumber, he is merely trying to call you to himself. Come to him today. Let him take you where you are and lead you to where he wants you to be. You don't have to know everything to be saved. You just have to know him. You just have to know him. Now, lastly, I want to show you the postscript of the healing. The postscript of the healing. In verse 26, look at verse 26 with me. Verse 26, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Jesus heals the blind man. He also touches his disciples. And he teaches his disciples as a lesson that they uh, probably never really grasped. This is a powerful miracle with a powerful message. Unfortunately, this miracle ends on a very sad note. Jesus tells the healed man that he is not to return back to Bethsaida. He takes him out of Bethsaida, heals him, gives him his sight back, and he says, don't go back. Nor is it to tell every, uh, anyone about the miracle. Now, this isn't the first time Jesus told someone not to tell others about a miracle. When, when he did this, it was usually to prevent great crowds from gathering or to prevent the people from getting caught up in the frenzy over miracles. This time, I think the Lord has different reasons here, if you read the passage. Bethsaida is near the place where Jesus fed the 5,000, remember? Especially, this is clear in Luke chapter 9, the parallel passage, Luke chapter 9, verse 10 to 17. They, they were given clear evidence that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but they refused to believe in him. As a result, Jesus pronounced a curse on the city of Bethsaida in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21 to 22. This is what he says. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. The town of, of, of Bethsaida had been rejected by the Lord because of their unbelief. They had rejected the great light that they had been given, and they would have received no more light now. This is why Jesus took the man out of the town to heal him. Uh, that is why Jesus told the man not to return to the town. The town was off limits this time. The doors were closed. But Jesus was still willing to deal with the individuals. The community had been judged but the individuals could still be saved. If you will hear his voice, you can be saved from your sins. You can become a child of God. You can miss hell and go to heaven. That is a promise that he makes. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you will come to him and ask him, he will save you. He will not turn you away. He will, call, he will not call forever, though. The time to come is while he is calling you to come to him. The time to come is right now. If you refuse, there will be a day when his calling for you to come will be no more. He will abandon you to your choice and allow you to go off into a life that leads to hell. 
Don't let that happen in your life. Don't let your story end like that. The story of Bethsaida. Come to Jesus and be saved while there is still time. Come while he is near and while he is calling you. Come while his voice is still loud. His arms are still open. His heart is still adoring and loving and calling everyone to himself. Come to him while the doors of heaven are swung wide open. Come to him while there's still chance to come to him, while the father waiting like the, uh, the father of the prodigal son waiting in the distance to see one more sinner appearing in the distance and running to him, come to him while there is still time. So, what do you see? Have the eyes of your soul been opened? Have you seen yourself as a lost sinner headed to hell and Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation? Have you seen the truth that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of his people and that he rose again from the dead to provide eternal salvation to all who would believe in him? Have you seen the truth that you stand in need of a savior today? Has the Lord revealed your condition to you? Is he calling you to come to him? If he is, don't delay. Come to Jesus while he still calls. Come to Jesus now. Have you seen where you are in your spiritual growth? Are you growing and learning about him more as you do? Are you maturing in Jesus and becoming less like your old self while you become more like him? Has the Lord spoken to your heart today? If he has, please come while he is still calling. Please come to him today. What do you see? Can you see his hand beckoning to you? What do you see? Let us pray. Lord, we oftentimes tell ourselves, not today, maybe the next day. Yet, it is pride speaking because we have no knowledge of tomorrow. We have no control over a single hour in our lives. And yet, we stubbornly resist and stubbornly delay. Help us, Lord. Help us honor you. Help us truly to see you. Open the eyes of our hearts to see you as we ought to see you. May your name be praised and glorified as you draw us all to yourself, as you work in our hearts, our hearts that are prone to wonder, prone to live the God we love. Take our hearts, Lord, and seal them for yourself. Conquer us for your kingdom. Make us your children. Crown us with the crown of an identity in Christ. We love you, Lord. May our hearts truly do love you. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.